Hello and welcome to Hacked Off. In today's episode, I have Mark Avery with me, who is an independent cybersecurity advisor. Hello, Mark. Hey, Holly, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Um, why don't we start with just a little bit of an introduction of yourself? Uh, sure. How did you end up in this room? Who knows? <laughs> uh, so um, my my cybersecurity career didn't start uh, with, with much of a career at all. So um, I remember distinctly receiving the phone call from my mother after my university degree saying, get out of bed and go and do uh, do some work. Uh, so uh, that, that was an email, you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a phone call. When you remember we used to talk on the phone. Um, and uh, yeah, so I went to, uh, to work in telecommunications, um, looking after a, a, a national network. And from that point onwards, um, uh, my career started to go into information security and IT security. And then uh, the rest is history, really. Um, so here today, I'm really glad to be here. Uh, thank you for asking me. And um, yeah, my, my current position is, is really just advocating uh, security, trying to help uh, lots of organizations, as many as possible, to, um, uh, to facilitate their security program moving forward. So what kind of things do you find um, companies are struggling with? What, what kind of... Uh, advice do people come to you looking for? I, I tend to get um, the more business-focused questions. So, uh, for example, um, I need to buy a new website, but I don't actually know how to secure it. Uh, something as simple as that or something as complex as we just don't know where to start. We know we've got a huge problem. Maybe we've had a data breach and uh, we just, you know, we, we try to help and give them the right advice. Awesome. We uh, we had the Unlocked event recently in Manchester, didn't we? And I remember mm. after that event saying, um, you you can tell the the way that industry is based on the the kind the kinds of questions we got from that event, right? And a lot of companies are, are struggling with um, something that some people called the basics. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I retracted that soon after. <laughs> I don't think you noticed, but I did. Uh, I did change my presentation for the second uh, <laughs> Unlocked so, event. So so we were talking at Unlocked about a lot of organisations are still struggling with. Um, things like patching, things mm-hmm. like security policies, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And I, I think I quite rudely announced to the audience that I don't believe it's basics. And what, what do we settle on? Foundations. Foundations. Yeah, 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 I agree yeah. with that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think um, I, I think it's a governance issue, fundamentally. I think it's it's fairly easy to uh, wake up tomorrow morning, see the headline and, and go and check your servers all patched. And then, you, uh, you know, typically in organisations, focus and priorities change. And uh, unless they have regular governance and checks in place, um, you know, it's all too easy to forget about those things and, until that incident actually happens to you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Certainly from the kind of work that we do, a lot of it is um, working with companies to point out to them things that they might have missed. Because if, if we have things that are considered foundations, people might be aware of, okay, we need to worry about patches, we need to worry about passwords and things like that. But I think in my experience, a lot of um, security people worry about the unknown unknowns, right? Mm. That what, what, what's lurking in the shadows. Is that the kind of thing you find? Companies just yeah. wanting a, a framework or a strategy? Yeah, definitely. It's it's the direction it, and, it, and it's understanding um, uh, what it is that they're really worried about. So what makes their business tick? What would hurt them? You know, would would their website, you know, if their website were down for a couple of hours, would it make any difference to them? You know, if they have online sales, the answer would be yes. But actually, if it's just a branding website, the answer would be no. So um, security is so broad um, it, it is inherently complex and it has to be tailored to each individual organisation. And so therefore, I think, you know, just sitting down with with them and, and understanding where it is that they need to focus attention really does help them because they can't do everything uh, all of the time. They need to uh, to focus. 
So um, what kind of organizations, or, or I guess really the question should be, um, how would an organization know that it, it needs an advisor? If a company thinks that they've got everything sorted, is, is that when they should bring someone in or is it um, at an earlier stage? I think there's there's getting support for security in an organization can come from many different aspects. It could come from a breach. Um, it could come from a regulatory requirement or contractual requirement from, from a customer. And so I think um, sometimes they uh, a lot of organizations believe that they've got uh, sufficient security in place. And uh, to a certain extent, that that is definitely true. But actually getting an independent check on that um, is definitely a good thing, no matter how good you, you think you are. Um, you know, I've worked for big organizations and we've always relied upon independent advice uh, and assessment just to make sure that we are doing things correctly. Why would somebody need a service of this nature if they can just buy a pen test? Because <laughs> a pen test is not the only uh, aspect of security we need to consider. Obviously, there's a there's a breadth of other things as as well. Um, a pen test is is just part of that. Um, and you know, as I say, unless you've got the right kind of risk management approach, governance, and framework in place, you don't get to the the other key aspects of security, which is the people and process. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also, um, something we were talking about earlier, just before we got on the podcast, of course, is. Um, different risks are of different importance to different companies, right? So, so we might come in as a as a pen tester and find something that's very technically interesting or very um, technically uh, what we might think is high impact, but to that company, it, it might be different within their threat model, right? Mm, absolutely. So, um, uh, as a customer of many different uh, vulnerability tests and, and penetration tests in 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 the past, um, I always found it a, a good. Um, challenge, shall we say, to take a critical CVSS score and actually turn that into business language and say, actually, that doesn't mean, okay, if you if this was a, a server that's located on the internet with no controls around it, then absolutely, and, and it stored my crown jewels, should I add, uh, then absolutely that CVSS score is, is relevant, that critical score. But actually, if um, it's uh, the server is in a box surrounded by four-foot concrete, not connected to anything, first of all, it's safe, maybe not useful, but nonetheless, um, you know, it does depend on the context and the mitigations that you, you've got around your... Yeah, I think there's a, an inherent weakness with the way that CVSS scores are used, right? So just in case somebody doesn't know of CVSS scores, common vulnerability scoring system and how we as pen testers frequently use them is, is the best scoring system. So without context, this is what this vulnerability is, ignoring all kinds of environmental factors and, and exploitability factors and things like that. So I guess that's um, almost one piece of what you do, right? It's it's to um, take risk, be it from pen test or, or be it from wider and, and turn that into business speak, as you mm, said, but absolutely. also the context for that organization. Yeah, definitely. And it's a little bit of an art um, and it requires a lot of communication and, and building of relationships. Uh, and that's one of the key things I see from a strategic perspective uh, within security. Um, it is very personal and, and, and you do need to trust the people around you and so that people trust your advice. Yeah. So when, when a company um, starts looking for this kind of advice, would that be um, at a certain company scale? Would it be that this is a thing applied to small and medium companies or is it large companies only? Um, what what uh, scale of companies would, would come for advisory services? I think it, I think it completely varies on, on the type of problem that they're trying to solve. Um, it, it may well be a very small company who just needs to host a new website. They don't know which provider to choose um, and they're conscious of security and, and, and they know, I think, the one good thing about um, the last decade or so is that 
a lot more members of the public, you know, non-security professionals are, uh, are much more aware of, uh, of of the types of attacks and the impacts. So um, many organisations now are conscious of security that, that weren't previously, and therefore they come and ask simple questions like, I need a, a website providing uh, provider, um, how do I choose a secure one? You know, what what simple questions do I need to ask in order to make sure that my uh, my, my my assets will be uh, secure? So it could come from from that very simple business question um, through to a complex organisation that have got a full security team in place, but actually they just need a little bit more help either from an independent assessment perspective to help them justify extra spend or investment in resource, or um, you know if there's just something specific that they've not done before, such as smart metering or energy or whatever it might be, um, that they they turn to us for advice. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned uh, smart metering there. That that's obviously a, an area for our expertise, isn't it? Um, how how um, how do you find smart meter security different to other areas of security? I think gen- generally speaking, it, it's it's not that much different. It has its very um, unique aspects. It was the uh, UK's nas- uh, critical national infrastructure, probably the last analog to digital transformation uh, nationwide in the UK. It's the first time that the government had ever done uh, combined electricity and, and gas smart metering in the world um, and a very large and complex network, and it required uh, security by design. So if there's anything unique about it, and I guess a good model of, of how to do it properly, it would be, uh, it would be something that you know, we, we talk about in the future as a good way of building security into uh, a complex solution. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. It's one of the things I always like asking guests. It's like, oh, you've specialised in this area. How do you how do you find it's different? It's always um, it's always refreshing to hear people to say, actually, it's kind of the same. You know, security yeah. is broadly applicable, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Um, one thing that I'm, I'm curious about though is, um, okay, so we have advisory services and they're good for organisations and getting that that independent view. But um, what what benefit do they have over just having a full time CISO? I I believe that. Um, again, size of organisation, all of the environmental factors around an organisation, their business drivers. Um, you know, it's it's sometimes seen as though you have to have a full time role in place because you can demonstrate authority through that. Um, one thing I found is that it doesn't necessarily need uh, one CISO in place. It could be more than one CISO or more than one person with the same level of responsibility. Equally, it could be less. Some organisations don't necessarily need. Uh, somebody at that level, um, potentially the CIO or the CTO might need some some interim support. And so um, I think the, the most important thing is setting that strategy for the next three to five years and making sure that you've, you've appropriately resourced that. And as I say, I don't think it necessarily needs to be um, a, a permanent hire. And obviously, if you, if you use somebody uh, of an independent nature, you've, you've got the flexibility um, uh, in that. That's interesting, actually. That links back to a former podcast we did with Jen Franklin, who mentioned that within security, one of the the biggest problems for, for individuals is is burnout. And we we say something like, um, "Oh, we have a a person who's full time responsible, but surely they're like go to sleep and have evenings <laughs> off and take holidays and and things like that." So if you're saying that, um, it it might simply be that some companies need a little extra, right? So maybe they have a full time CISO, but they need. Um, either somebody for interim, so that person can take time off, or, or just a, a second set of eyes. Is that the kind of thing you're saying? Yeah, definitely. I think also a, a lot of organisations I see go through you know, large transformations, and the CISO has got a day job to do as well. Yet in another part of their business, they still need the seniority and the stakeholder engagement and, and setting of strategy. 
and they can't do all them the, themselves, but that project might only be running for, for six months or whatever. So, you know, it's important to have that flexibility in the resource. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's something that whenever I talk to, to organisations about um, CISO as, as a role, a lot of companies say that there's a certain point where they think they'll need a CISO. So they've grown to a certain scale where they think we need a head of security where that person changes mm. from head of to chief of. Um, or, or actually, it might just be that companies at scale also need that kind of service uh, for doing uh, project management, those kinds of things. Um, so that makes sense. But on, on the smaller side, you mentioned um, things like interim CISO. How, how would that work? So uh, an interim CISO or head of security, you know, is, is something that can be used for the benefit of the organisation, either, um, as I say, just to set the strategy, or actually it may well be as part of that strategy uh, in the next three years, uh, the CEO realises that they they can make that jump to a permanent role. And, and so defining the benefits of that in the context of the organisation um, is something that, that's critical for them, I think. And, you know, it is a big step, you know, um, to for an organisation to to take that kind of role in place. Sometimes I've seen that it's there just as a as a token of goodwill or a demonstration of, you know, we're secure because we've got to see so. But um, as I say, it's all about the the outcomes um, of that, uh, and that should determine the responsibilities. As we know, you know, the, the, the role of the CISO is ill-defined. It's probably the 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 most far-reaching role within an organisation, I would suggest. You know, uh, when, when I was uh, in my last role, I had almost equal responsibility or a share of responsibility for people aspects, for financial aspects, for legal aspects, because you kind of share that responsibility at the executive level. Um, but, you know, it... it it's the the one role I believe that that stretches as, as far as possible within the organisation. It's, it's as though the responsibilities of the CISO, yeah. you know, far outweigh just the security function. I think that's the thing, isn't it? So we we started with, um, oh, you're a security advisor. What is a security advisor? When when maybe we should have started with, what is a CISO? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long have we got? <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's the thing because. Um, it, it means different things to different companies, though, isn't it? And and sometimes, so chief information security officer. What kinds of things will they be involved in? So you mentioned security strategy, right? Should we start there? What what is strategy? What is strategy? So um, strategy is, is essentially the way, or security strategy at least, is is talking in plain English to the executive committee and the board about what objectives they need to achieve, um, either in the short term or in the long term. And then the plan that supports that strategy is the actual how to do it. Um, and it's not a single document that stays there. It's it's more of a discussion. You know, it has to get documented at some point. But actually just, just talking to the business and understanding some of the challenges that they've got uh, and making sure that that security strategy absolutely supports, first of all, the, the business objectives. Uh, and secondly, any of the, the personal objectives that gets, get disseminated across the executive committee as well, because there's no point in having a strategy if it's going to conflict with everybody else's personal objectives, because uh, as soon as you start hitting people in their pockets, you know, that's when you start uh, having the conflicts and the arguments. Yeah, and, and um, I think that's the thing that uh, people who are at lower roles in, in security might not necessarily understand that there are conflicts around security, right? Um, we talked previously on the podcast about um, cybersecurity wargaming and, and running companies through dealing with incidents. And, th- and that was a big eye-opener for me, was when I ran a company through a, a simulated incident, I expected them to see a challenge and all come together and have a discussion on how they can overcome that challenge. When actually, in, in my experience, um, sometimes they didn't necessarily agree on what the right mm. course of action would be. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I... 
Forchy, Touchwood. Uh, I'll try and find some. Um, <laughs> um, I, I've not experienced a huge amount of, of conflict um, at that level. Maybe that's because just I've just work, happened to work with a great bunch of people over, over my years. Um, but I think, you know, as long as you're open and transparent with everybody and you can have an honest conversation, explain the reasons why you're trying to do something, uh, they tend to get it. Um, don't get me wrong, there are, there are people with, uh, with, with much higher aspirations who will just do anything necessary to get what they want. Um, but I think as, as long as you're open and transparent, then, you know, you go a long way to, to avoiding those conflicts, if anything. So a CISO is a person who'll um, come in and, and help you work out what the strategy should be, right? Not necessarily yeah. giving you a strategy, but working out, you know, what is the, the business goals, the, the personal goals, those kinds of things. Then we break a strategy down into individual little plans to achieve those kinds of things. Yeah. That that all makes sense. Well, what else do CISOs do with their time? So there's, there's one hour of your day filled. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else do you do? Um, so a, a lot of it is... Um, about stakeholder management, right? So um, getting to understand the business is is the first objective um, for a CISO in a new role for, for me. Um, you know, I, I was, when I was kind of working for a global parcel company, I would I would try and get out and, and see the operations, see, um, you know, vans delivering parcels and how they used to use their PDAs. Remember those? Um, and, no. and And see the... Uh, <laughs> is that a thing from the 80s? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and see, uh, you know, the, the, the flight operations in in, uh, in Europe and that kind of stuff, because those are the things that stop when you've not secured uh, the, the, the servers properly or you've, you know, we, we were subject to, at one point to some quite significant malware, maybe back in 2001, and you're sat there in the data centre trying to defend against this piece of malware and, and clean it up. Um, for a couple of hours, and actually, you don't realise there are people sat around drinking coffee in a in a airport hub in in the age, um, waiting for the parcels to start moving again. It's not until you understand that that um, uh, that, that you can really focus your attention uh, and the strategy, and and so I think that's a big part of of the role. Um, and then obviously the other thing is is managing the team underneath you, uh, developing a team, is is so important for a CISO. They are only as good as the as the supporting team below them. You know, CISOs aren't necessarily the experts in every area, and I very much believed in in developing my teams to make sure that they could, you know, support me um, when I wasn't there. Okay, so um, some companies will, will need a, a full time CISO, maybe a CISO and a half, something like that. And then we talked about um, interim CISOs, so so companies that are maybe working on specific projects, or maybe one CISO's left and they're filling that gap. Um, what about what about that other kind where we have CISOs who maybe just come in every now and again? I don't want to say part time CISO, but I also <laughs> don't want to say virtual CISO. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> what's a virtual CISO? Um, it's like CISO.com or something. <laughs> is that an yeah, app? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I think interim is probably the best way to describe that. Um, I, I think um, as a, as a capability, it's delivering that that good advice. Um, obviously, you know, from a, a recruitment perspective, you can you can have an interim CISO, um, but it's looking at the outcomes of you know the reasons why you have that and delivering them in, in a in a in a manner that you can call it as a virtual CISO service. And I think that's the key word there: it's a service rather than an individual. CISO as a service. Mm. So that 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 what we should call that maybe. So um, a company has reached a, a certain scale. Where, where their executive team is thinking that they need somebody to specialise in security. What kinds of things should that company do 
where they don't have necessarily a great deal of experience themselves in terms of security to make sure that they get the right person in. Because that would, of course, be the executive team trying to hire a CISO Mm. when they're not themselves specialists. Yeah, definitely. I think um, taking um, advice from trusted professionals is, is the best start um, you know, uh, as as an independent advisor, I, I I part of my work is to go in there and tell them that I either need to see so or they don't. You know, there's there's no point in in trying to um, set goals that are unachievable. So I think the the the, the uh, CEO just needs to make sure that um, they've got the trusted advice and whatever is recommended actually does work for them. And and you know, it, it, again, it's not just about uh, achieving security objectives, it's, it's about achieving the, the business objectives as well. Yeah, so they, uh, working out what it is that you want to do and then trying to find a person who can yeah. elaborate on how they would want to do those mm-hmm. things. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. So um, a CISO, when we talk about those kinds of things, it, it sounds like it's an ongoing role, right? So either it's a full-time CISO who's with you all of the time or on some engagement, a project, once a week, however mm-hmm. it is. Um, but when you say advisor, it, it sounds like uh, a person might just come in Every now and again, how, how does just, that work? Just pop in, yeah. Um, yeah. There, there are times that um, organisations feel comfortable with their security, and I've heard many stories over the last couple of weeks of, of colleagues who have been asked to go and see the board as a result of some of the fines that we've seen recently. <laughs> and and so it's those kind of occasions where the CISO, the, the need for the CISO becomes more prominent um, rather than it just being business as usual. There are times where an, an organisation who may not have a CISO still needs to, uh, the board still have those questions and need them answering. So in an advisory role, those are the the, the kind of um, opportunities that, that can be fulfilled using uh, somebody who is an advisor as opposed to a, a permanent CISO. Um, how do you, uh, as an advisor, make sure that, that you're heading in the right direction without kind of getting stuck? I mentioned earlier this problem of burnout, right? How, how do you... Um, keep to grips with, with burnout? Burnout is uh, definitely a thing that gets talked about. So I, I, I'm a member of uh, Club CISO, mm-hmm. a non-commercial organisation uh, based here in the UK with about uh, 200 uh, CISO or uh, equivalent roles within the UK. And we do talk about uh, burnout quite a lot um, as a relatively ill-defined, but um, you know, it still potentially immature role uh, for some people. Um, it's easy for the responsibilities of the CISO to be misunderstood, either within the organisation itself or, or outside of it. And therefore, you tend to find that CISOs have taken a lot of responsibility that wasn't necessarily in their job description when they signed up for it. Um, and we're very helpful. You know, we're keen to help the organisation. And then we take that on. We take that responsibility on. Um, and actually, uh, you know, pressure and anxiety and stress is something that we talk about. Um, in fact, we talked about in our annual survey um, back in March, and it was a very healthy discussion, if that's the kind of right phrase for it. Um, and a lot of us were very open about, um, you know, the burnout. And it's very easy. It's something we have to keep an eye on. That's not just with, with CISOs. I think everybody in the organisation, you know, uh, are on, under a lot of pressure. And it's, it's important to keep a, a lookout for each other. You mentioned there, uh, not not within the job description. Um, how do you write a job description for a CISO? Is that, um, does it just say responsible for security and, and that's <laughs> is, is that it i think um it, it, it's the objectives of the role that need to be defined and i, I think as an as a as a profession we do we need to sit down at some point and agree what they are because in answer to your first question how do you write a job description from a cc you just go online google it and pick up somebody else's 
Um, and that's wrong. That, you know, that, that's not tailored to your organisation. It doesn't, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't, first of all, um, it, it's not tailored to your organisation. But equally, a lot of um, job descriptions, in my opinion, um, don't put enough emphasis on competencies as well. So I, I think that you know, in, it's just as important to find the right person and the right fit for an organisation as it is to find someone with the right skills. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I think, uh, yeah, if, if people are um, Googling templates for job descriptions, <laughs> they're going to end up on things like uh, must have a degree, must be a CISSP, yes. Yes. And, and, and those kinds of challenges. Um, but, yeah, you're saying it, it, it's as much um, the organisation fit as anything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Organisations you know, now are are taking an edge in, in their business by by adopting a culture and, you know, being more flexible with their staff, um, creating lovely, lovely campuses for, uh, uh, for for work environments, and you know that makes it an attractive place to work, and it also you know gives uh, individuals a, a fulfilment at work as well. So, you know, it makes a big difference. Um, you know, I, I I think flexibility and, and diversity in organisations is something that you know, really needs to start taking a hold and, and become more valuable. Yeah. Um, so so we've mentioned. Um, broadly as best as we can what a CISO is, why organizations might want different types of CISOs, so full-time, uh, interim, those kinds of things. Why might a company not want a CISO? So you said at the beginning, sometimes a, a company might might decide now isn't the right time for them. Uh, how might that work? I think um, there are organizations out there that believe that there are higher priorities than security, right? They, um, they, they definitely know that they should have security within in their systems or, or their processes, and for whatever reason, they they choose to either ignore it to the degree um, or or actually just just kick it down the road um, because it's too difficult and too complex. Those that uh, I would like to think that those have said uh, who have said no, security is definitely not a priority for my organisation, even though I'm doing my business online. They've made that decision consciously. You know, and they are more interested in short-term uh, financial gain than investment in long-term security. Yeah, so so in short, um, probably never the right decision. It's, <laughs> it's more not. about uh, more about how you incorporate that. And and of course, we use we're using CISO for shorthand here, aren't we? For just person mm, responsible absolutely. for security, it, it could be head of security, IT security mm. manager, whatever you want to call it, but somebody responsible for actually. Um, Championing yes. security—it's that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And and you know, it's a it's a good word actually. I think you know um, you can achieve a lot in an organisation without uh, a, a formal structure and potentially CISO in place. Um, the foundations of security um, are built within the people and the processes. You know, I I, I I've I've said it a lot um, to to people. I've never actually gone through with this, but I would love to be in a position where I'm responsible for security in an organisation subject to an independent ISO 27001 audit and the auditor comes in and, and asks me asks me for the policies and the standards and I say we don't have any <laughs> they're all there you can see them working it's all embedded within the people and and, and the yeah. process but we don't have we, we don't write stuff on paper we don't need to we've developed it it's working and the it's evidence security is there. culture indeed yeah. Oh, oh, there's a there's a flip side to that, of course. It is. Are you following your security policy? <laughs> yeah, we would definitely fail the audit. No doubt about <laughs> it. But we would be secure. <laughs> yeah. We're definitely following the security policy. We don't have one. Yeah, um, it's a virtual policy. Yeah. I've got, <laughs> got this. I've got this app. <laughs> it's all on there. Um, 
I think that's the thing uh, when we, we talk about policy, right, as a, as a, as a foundation of security. Um, a lot of companies struggle there, don't they? We talked before about companies struggling with, with patches and, and patching mm. and things like that. Patching and passwords. Um, how do companies work out which policies they need? Or is that another Google it problem? Um, so I think there's a shopping list you can start from. Um, I would definitely uh, recommend organisations only document the policies or standards that they really need to. And there needs to be rules in place, don't get me wrong. And staff need to understand where the boundaries are and IT staff need to understand how to build stuff and secure it. Um, and so you do need some, some some basic rules in place, but don't just create policies from, from, from that shopping list just because. Um, yeah. Because you know, if, if they're not read and understood, I mean, back in the day, kind of like 15 years ago, whatever, so back in the day, um, maybe 15 years ago, um, auditors would look for our policy statement plastered on the wall, on the notice board in the canteen, just to prove that we're secure. What? That's, that doesn't make any difference. Yeah, I used to I used to say to companies, and I wouldn't necessarily um, die hard stand by this, but you shouldn't have policies that you are not enforcing. Mm. In the same way that um, there's no point having a law that nobody's following, right? Yeah. So that, that's that's one way to think Definitely. about it. But uh, a good example of this, I, I was working with a company recently. And uh, they wanted me to take a look through through their policies and see if I could give any advice in that. And uh, they gave me a, a BYOD policy. And before I uh, had a chance to, to open it and read it, I said, I didn't know you had BYOD devices. Mm. Like, oh, we don't. Like, <laughs> so what yeah. does this policy say? Yeah. You're not allowed to use your own devices. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they'd gone to the effort of, yeah. of templating mm. and writing up a paragraph that says it, the company doesn't allow you yeah, to do yeah, this. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, definitely. You, you, you need to determine what, you know if, if it's relevant and also if it's proportionate. That's the key thing. I think um, the requirement for policies also comes probably comes from two different areas. Regulation, you know, if, to, if you need to be certified to a particular standard, you definitely need to demonstrate that and you need to put certain policies and standards in place and also risk as well. So, you know, if you don't have a, a high risk of BYOD, then, you know, you, you don't necessarily need to put the, the, the governance and the policies in place uh, to, to protect against those things. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, how how do you think um, the the CISO role is developing? So you mentioned earlier that it is still fairly immature, isn't it? It isn't very well defined. Do you think um, companies are pushing to try and define that, or are, are companies just still in that kind of honeymoon period? I think um, from within the community um, and the profession, I think it would be nice if we were to get to a standard and a level of recognition of the a certified CSO, perhaps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For the benefit of the audience, <laughs> I think Mark twitched then. <laughs> yeah, what, what on earth does that mean? Um, That's I, the problem though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's what on earth does that mean? Yes. And even without me, me talking about certified ethical CISOs, um, th there is the, as an industry coming together and being like, what do we mean by this term? Because we, we're using this this term as if it's well-defined, right? This, mm -hmm. this Using CISO as a, as a noun. Um, yeah, how do we... Are companies doing that? Are companies trying to work that out? Yeah, so so we talk about it a lot within Club CISO. I'm not aware and, uh, you know, uh, happy to be correct. I'm not aware of anybody that's, that's doing a piece of work to define the standard. I think w it shouldn't be too difficult to do if we wanted to do that. Um, you know, the, the outcomes of security frameworks such as NIST are very clear and it's ultimately the CISO's role to deliver those those outcomes. So I think we've got those available to us. 
Um, I think one of the problems, as I said before, one size doesn't fit all. And therefore, you know, creating the standard job description or having a certified level of um, CISO doesn't necessarily fit with every organisation. So uh, I think um, it would be probably a big task to standardise it. Um, and, and therefore, I, I suspect many organisations are just going to do it piecemeal and, and you know, focus on what they really want. And that's the thing I would recommend to an organisation. Don't necessarily look for the qualifications. Make sure that they're the right fit for your organisation. So we mentioned earlier that a part of the CISO role is is taking risk and, and trying to translate it into a language that the business understands. And sometimes that'll be you know presenting to the board and those kinds of things. Does that mean that um, a CISO's background should be business or should it be technical? I, I think a technical background is is definitely uh, the right foundations for a security person. Um, you know, you can get into information security and cybersecurity through the audit channel or the analysis channel. However, I think when it comes to um, operating at the CISO level, understanding the fundamental ways in which an organisation works is absolutely paramount. Um, you can't have those conversations with the board or the CFO if you don't understand what it is that you're asking for and the impact of what you're asking for and the context within which it's it's being asked. Um, if you don't understand those priorities of the business, then you know you may very well be asking for way too much, and you actually might be asking for way too little. Um, and so you really do need to understand what, what how the business operates. And therefore, from a from a business perspective, um, my view is that CISO should be educated uh, in that in some form. That's interesting. It almost sounds like the answer becomes not that a CISO needs to be educated in business, but that they need to somehow be educated in your business. Yes. They need to understand yeah, your definitely, company. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Gosh, it's it's a difficult thing to broadly summarise, isn't it? But there is a role in an organisation where a person is to be responsible for security and, and how that applies to your company can, can be different. Mm -hmm. It can be you need a full-time person, you need several full-time people or, or someone interim. And for companies to work out how to do that, it's to look inwardly to the company, right? It's, it's the objectives. Yeah, yeah. It, it has to be customised to the organisation. It, it has to be the right fit. Uh, the person has to be the right fit. And, and and definitely you should be focusing on the business objectives. Um, it's the same with any kind of security solution, I guess. You know, There's no point in putting a, a tool or a, a process in place if it's going to disable the business. And so the same goes for the role of the CISO. It has to be there to enable the business to, to, to run efficiently. Well, awesome. Thank you very much for, for coming in today and, and, and giving Pleasure. your view on the purely defined role that is the CISO, but the, the, the critical one nonetheless. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks. Well, thanks as well to the audience for listening in there. I, I guess this has been a bit of an ongoing series for us here on Hacked Off in terms of just trying to work out what a CISO is as an industry. So I have a question for you guys. Um, what do you think is the critical aspect in picking a CISO? If your company has decided that they need somebody responsible for security, um, what would you say they should go for? Let us know on social media. I'll be very interested to, to hear your, your ideas. <laughs>